The following lecture was delivered at the 16th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Miami, Florida, a project of the Rohr Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it. We encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. Mrs. Shimona Tsukernik now presents her lecture, Gratitude, Not Attitude. What we're going to be doing today is a gratitude workshop. This is not a joy workshop. It's a gratitude workshop, and they are different. Um, I, I'm going to share a little story with you on why I think we have to focus on gratitude rather than happiness. About, I, I don't remember, maybe it was 10 years ago, I was dancing at a wedding, and I love to dance. And there was a, a, a Bobby at this wedding. She had white hair and she came up to me and she was dancing with me and we were having such a good time. And she said, you know, I have a friend and she's part of a crew that is doing a, a, preparing a television series for Nick Mom TV on Moms in America. And I think you'd be a great Jewish mom. I love the way you dance. I mean, <laughs> could you, you know, it was like, oh, I, I like the way you dance. I think that you should be the Jewish mom. Anyway, I, I, she said, can I have your number? I said, sure. I gave it to her. I thought I would never hear from her again. But then uh, she copied me on an email to this woman, Linda, who was doing the series. And I said, sure, come on over. And, you know, people said, don't do it. Don't do it. Because I'd been involved with a National Geographic project where, all they were looking to do was misrepresent from Jewish women. So and I, I didn't feel so misrepresented, but there were others who did. So I, I told Linda, come and meet with me. And there were a bunch of other people from the program. And they, they said, what are we going to do this show on? What We have to find a focus. And I said... Um, they, they said to me, how about doing something about a tech-free home? And I said, well, this is not a tech-free home. I run an online marketing company. This is not what you want. Um, so then they said, well, you know, what about, you know, what else can we focus? We went on a few things. And then one of them said, what about happiness? Everyone wants happiness. And my response was, I don't focus on making my kids happy, which was quite revolutionary in their Eyes. And she said, well, why? And I said, because I think happiness is a byproduct of other things. I think that when we're connected to meaning and purpose, we experience as a byproduct, it's like a litmus test of your faith. It's a litmus test of your consciousness rather than the thing that's going to bring you what you want. So we decided to do something on um Joy and the focus was during Sukkot. They came during during Sukkot and they hung out in our house a lot of the time, etc. It was a wonderful show. And they were wonderful women, celebratory in every way. Now, why am I mentioning that? Because there I was saying there is a prelude, there is something that leads to joy. And one of the th one of the things that I think is a prelude to simcha, to happiness, which we're all seeking, we all want more joy and more peace, is gratitude. When you look at um, our day as Jews, we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do, we put our hands together. Jews don't put their ten fingers together. This is considered to be a non-Jewish way of prayer. 
The only time we put all those 10 fingers together is in the morning when we put them like this and our head is down. So you put it opposite the heart and the head is down. We say moderni, we gather. We start the day, the very first word we say is thanks. Thank I you. We don't even say I thank you God. We say thank I you Hashem. And we end our day with confession and forgiveness. I hereby forgive anyone who has angered or vexed me, troubled me, whether in this lifetime or another one. I just, I let it all go. I cannot, I cannot go to sleep holding that resentment. So we begin with gratitude and we end with forgiveness, owning our part and letting other people free of whatever's running in our mind. Today, what we're going to do is focus on gratitude. And this is not so much a lecture as a workshop. I invite all of you to do the exercises, even if it's just in your head. I also invite you to share. So earlier today, we did uh, the Garden of Healing workshop, and it was profound. It was moving to witness. I see some heads nodding of people who were there. Moving to see how people have the courage to open their heart, and then from that, we begin to metabolize what is stuck inside of us and move it through our being so that we can open to a new way of being. So, that's what we're going to be doing. The first thing we're going to look at is notice the impact of movement on emotions. Two exercises, and then we're going to notice the impact of thoughts on our emotions and on our body. And then we'll go from there. The goal is for each one of us to have specific tools to come back to every day. You'll pick like a toolkit. What can I use to help myself regain equilibrium? How can I help myself metabolize some of my pain? So the first thing I'm going to invite you to do is to take your pen. If you don't have a pen and paper, you don't want to write on your phone, at the front over here, there is a pen and paper. Maybe you want to put that one table behind you so that, yeah, there we go. Um, if you need a pen and paper, you can go and get it there. Everyone take your pen and hold it between your lips outwards. I'm going to keep quiet for a little time and do this with you. Let's hold it. Don't put it in your teeth. Hold it between your lips. And you want to keep it as high as you can. Try not to let it go down. You're kind of pursing, right? Like as if you're puffing on a cigarette. Keep it there. Take a breath in. And as you breathe out, feel into your body. Just notice what's happening in your torso. Okay, take it out. Take a breath and just give it a little shake. Maybe move your knees. And now hold it between your teeth, not your lips. There we go. 
Keep it there. Hold it very lightly. And just feel into your body. Take a breath in and breathe out. Feel into your body what's happening. And let it go. So anyone notice a difference between this and this? What, what did you notice? A better experience, which one? The second one, who noticed that the second experience was better for them? Yeah, anyone have the reverse? No, because you see, when we smile, it's universal. There are five core emotions that are recognized universally across languages. Uh, I think I mentioned yesterday at the panel uh, on coming to get together again that the sign for contempt will be a slight flaring of the lip and a, like a snarl, right? Everyone in the world, if you do that, it's like they know, man, she's disgusted by me, right? This person is disgusted. And everyone knows when we do this, we're happy. Actually, people are the only creatures who when they smile, they, when they show their teeth, it's a sign of connection. They, they want to be together. Animals, I used to take women on safari to Africa. And when you come, the, 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 you know, one of the guides there told us, if a lion sees you, it was all completely open there. I mean, one of the guards one morning came to the central area and there was a lion on the couch. But there's no sound of metal in nature. You can't go out of your cabin at night, but in the day there's so much action back and forth that pretty much you can. And um, he said the animals that are the hunters have their eyes at the front. The hunted animals have their eyes at the side because they've got to have 360 vision. So when a lion sees you, he or she knows you are trouble. You're also a hunter, right? But because you need perspective, I've got to have this eye and this eye to have depth of field so that I know how to pounce after that animal. Those hunters, when they display their teeth, what's that a sign of? Oh, right? Aggression, beware. But when people smile, we're happy. It's like, you know that the Zohar says the nostrils are the gateway to the brain? The mouth is the gateway to the heart. That's why you have 32 teeth, 8 and 8, 8 and 8. So that's 16 and 16 is 32. In Hebrew, 30 is the number, the letter Lamed and Bez is, the, is number 2. So that spells the word lev, heart. So we smile and there's something there about it. When we pout, what's happening? There actually are the nerves that are being activated and it brings a feeling of sadness like it's a bit difficult to pout without bringing the inside of the eyebrows up did you notice that so that's really sad this very different kind of emotion it's useful to think about this i don't know if anyone has read dr jordan peterson's book 12 rules for life it's just a brilliant brilliant book and one of his rules is Stand up straight with your shoulders back, 
This means if I can stand and my shoulders, what does this mean, folks? I'm going to step aside just so that, um, let me stand where there's room. One sec. So have a look over here. What does this tell you about? Timid. What does this tell you about? Confident. So the crouch position is timidity. Why? Why is that timid? I'm protecting especially the heart center, right? I'm protecting my solar plexus and my heart. Don't come near. But if I do this, it's like, man, I got me covered. I'm okay. I, I, I am confident. Another example, when you say someone's looking down her nose at me, what does that normally indicate? Arrogance, right? Why? Why? Why is that the case when I'm looking down my nose at you? Because I'm showing you my neck. Oh, I'm totally okay to make myself fully vulnerable. I'll even close my eyes. Go for it. Try, try. Because I'll take you down. But if you're afraid and we cower, there are reasons for everything that we do. And if I put my head down like that, I'm very submissive and I'm protecting myself. So pay attention to the way you hold yourself, to your physical features. There's actually a really wonderful, this isn't so much gratitude, but I'll just share it's a wonderful way to self-soothe. There's a series of three exercises that I show people. You can come to me afterwards if you like, and I'll go through it. But if you just take your thumbs and you put it on the underside of your jaw, and then you lightly put your hands, you see my, my little fingers here and then my palms, and then gently squeeze and release. Squeeze and release. There's some kind of comfort there. You know, sometimes I'll do that if I'm really stressed, like, it's okay, Bubba. You know, like just in a oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I love you so much. I know it's hard. It's okay. You're okay. That kind of thing, the body has an impact on our consciousness. And that is because there is a brain in the stomach. And there is a brain in your brain. And the Alter Rebbe speaks about the impact. The animal soul is bottom up. And then we become aware of something that's happening physiologically. The godly soul is cerebral top down. And we create emotions. By meditating, you can awaken certain feelings inside of you. But survival is much quicker than thought. You don't have time to think about the things that have to happen if you want to survive. And that's why if you're walking down the street and a truck comes along or a car and splashes water, you've moved aside before you computed car, water, splash, I'm safe. The ganglia in the, in the gut are picking up information and feeding our brain. So if we want to shift ourselves into a state of gratitude, even just smiling is going to start to make a difference. Now, the next thing I want to do is going to make you a little uncomfortable, I imagine, 
but I encourage you to just go for it. Uh, and that is to practice laughter. I, um, I was once crying very deeply. And what I noticed is that my cry sounded exactly the way the chauffeur does. Right, as you're like progressively breaking down, what's happening? It becomes shorter and shorter, my breath. And I'm just like wrecked by those tears. And then I realized, my gosh, that sounds a lot like laughter. Physiologically, we can induce something. What's happening as we cry or laugh? Why do we feel a relief after that? Something's happening. Anyone know what's going on? It's not just in your mind. No, we're speaking about here the impact of the body on our consciousness or on our state of being. Yeah. Right, there's a lot that is happening. There's muscles that are working and toxins are being released from the body as we do that. And the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in the body, it's coming into the ear and it moves all the way down. It comes into our gut. That is being stimulated. There's the vibration and that activates the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic is when I breathe in and the parasympathetic is when I'm breathing out. I can relax. So you do all that breathing out with the weeping or the laughter and you feel a little better. So I'm going to stand over here. I encourage everyone, if you can, please stand up, really try go along with this. And we're going to do some breath work that will allow us to discharge a little tension and then we'll go into much more personal exercise on thoughts where you're going to do meditative exercises to see the impact of thought on your body and emotional state so let's go folks and i want you to put your hands up and little fraction of a moment but I would really encourage you that kind of like breath out and out and out and then you contract the muscles of the stomach to really be breathing out from the abdomen from the belly button when you breathe in if you pay attention now bring your focus to the circle of the nostrils just notice that as the air goes in it's cool and dry, and when it leaves, it's warm and moist. And then drop your attention on the out-breath to your belly button. You notice that on the in-breath, your belly button moves away from your spine. That's where you breathe from. 
On the in-breath, the sternum and the belly button away from the spine. On the out-breath, drops back. So begin to practice that belly breath, expanding and contracting, just enabling yourself to get your body moving and ready, making space for the toxins, the negativity, whether it's emotional, physical or mental, to leave and creating an empty vessel for the good stuff to flow in. So what we're going to do next is an exercise that looks at the impact of thoughts on our body. I'm going to take you through a process. I encourage you to close your eyes if you feel that that would take you deeper. But sometimes for people, if they close their eyes, they feel a little vulnerable, like, hmm, Who's looking at me if that's not going to, you just want to be able to feel into your memories, like connect with those memories and feel into the body. So just put your feet, both feet on the ground and bring your awareness to your breath. The nostrils breathing in, cool and dry, breathing out warm and moist. Notice your belly button and your sternum. Feel your feet on the ground, tracing the point of contact between your feet and your shoes. And then trace the point of contact between your body and your chair, becoming aware that the chair is supporting you. And lastly, just bring your awareness to your ears, listening to the sounds around you. Try and find the furthest sound. Maybe you can hear something further away than the air conditioner. And now coming closer, listening for what's nearest you. It may even be the sound of your own breath. Take a deep breath in, and on the out breath, feel into your body. And just notice what sensations are there. Not emotions, physical sensations. Does my body feel weighted, light, heavy, tight, etc.? And now begin to think about the saddest moment you can identify from your past. Try and find a sorrow from the past and think about that event. It may have been an illness or the loss of a loved one. It might have been an interaction with someone. Look at where you were. Listen to the sounds. Maybe there were smells associated with it. Take a moment now to connect with that saddest moment. This painful moment of sorrow and suffering.
now feel into your body, just noticing how your physical sensations might have changed. What do you notice there? Just become the witness of your own experience. Are there tears? Do you feel like you want to swallow? Is there heaviness? Does your body feel contracted? Take an in-breath and imagine you're lifting yourself up out of that situation. Breathe out. And now on the next breath, think about a most joyous event. Dancing, connecting, sharing time with someone, hearing good news. Find in the Rolodex of your memories the event that is most joyous and see it in all its details. Listen to the sounds, smell the fragrances, see the eyes of the people who were with you. Feel the heart connection. And now feel into your body. Just noticing if anything has changed. How are these sensations different from the sorrow sensations? And then bring yourself back to the room, opening your eyes. So does anyone want to share on what that distinction was like? Yes, so we've got two. Shoshana. Can you speak as loud as possible? Just, yeah, maybe if you stand up. Fabulous. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to repeat what Shoshana said because sometimes it's hard for people to hear. She said, with the joyous memory, her body felt like it was rising up. Her whole being was rising up. With the sad or sorrowful moment, it was hard for her to stay focused. Did anyone else find that, that when you were thinking about the pain or the suffering, your mind was wavering a little bit? Just raise your hands if you felt that. Some people, yeah, sometimes it's really difficult to stay in that place because it's so painful we want to go away from the pain. It's like a bird. I always speak about bird on the branch, that in, in Hasidus and Kabbalah, birds are like thoughts, and it has to land somewhere. Which branch are you going to land on? And it could be difficult to land on a thorny or prickly branch, right? Very different sensations between thinking about sorrowful and joyous moments. Yeah. What is your name? Marsha. Oh, that's my mother's name. Hi. Wow. Right. Could be what, what Marsha said is when she was thinking about the, sa the sadness, her hands felt so heavy they were resting on her head and she felt a palpable weight. When she was thinking about the positive moment, that wasn't there. So clearly, our thoughts have an impact on our body. And with this prelude, we're going to move into the gratitude. So we're going to revisit the sorrowful moment. 
but I want to see if we can shift that a little bit with gratitude. So just go back to that moment. You can close your eyes or keep them open and think about it. As if you were there, place yourself in the sorrow. Maybe see the fight or someone turning their back on you or being shamed or beaten. And now allow that experience to move away from you. Scoot it backwards so that you're watching this from where you are now. Put a little bit of distance between you and the sorrowful event. And make a mental note of being here in this moment. Look at your difficulty. It's past. It's away from you. Now I'm here. Look at how far you've come. You got through that. Think that to yourself. I got through that. Wow. Now I am here. That's something to be grateful for. And just notice what's happening as you do that. And then come back to the room. And does anyone want to share on what it was like to separate yourself a little bit, flay yourself apart from your experience so that you become a witness to your own life? And in that place of witnessing, you insert an attitude of gratitude. I'm grateful. Wow. I mean, sometimes I hear people share things. I can't get over what people survive. It's remarkable. It's humbling. I got through that. So how was that for you folks? This separating of yourself, becoming a witness to your own self and being grateful for having gone from there to where you are. That was then now is now. That's a really useful way of bringing ourselves into the present. That was then, now is now. I'm no longer 15. I'm no longer being brutalized. I'm no longer vulnerable and unable to help myself. I am me. And I can look after myself in this moment. And look how far I've gotten. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me that ability. So anyone want to share on what that experience was like for them? Thank you for sharing that. So for those who didn't hear, the comment was, we went through a very difficult time with one of our children. We're through it. Sometimes I look, in looking back, I think God knows how we got here. But thank God we did. That thank you, like, how did we get here? But we did. It's only miraculous. You know, when we, when we bought a house, it's a double duplex in Brooklyn, so four stories and a basement. And my husband and I both came here with, I had two suitcases and he had one. I'm the woman, he's the man. So we both had that. And, you know, when Jacob 
leaves Israel, the Holy Land. He goes to his relatives in Choron, near Syria, Aleppo area. And he goes with nothing. He goes with a staff. Years later, when he comes back and he meets his brother Asaph, Asaph sees this incredible wealth his brother had built up. And Jacob says to him, I crossed the river with my staff. And Hashem made this great wealth for me. And I remember we, we moved into the house the day before Rosh Hashanah. I cooked in our apartment and we ate it in the house, the food. And then sukkahs came. We were sitting outside in our sukkah. One of the walls of the sukkah is the house. And I said to my husband, you know, like we crossed the Jordan with our suitcases and look at what Hashem did. Now, I could make my story about the fact that for 20 years I lived in a one-bedroom apartment, 10 of which I had four children. Brooklyn, right? Before the housing collapsed. A month went by and the house was costing you another 30 grand. And then next month it was another 30 grand. But to be in a place and be able to say, wow, like this is a miracle. How did the three suitcases turn into a house? Thank you, Hashem. Could be a little thing like, or a material thing. It wasn't little, but it was a material thing. Or it could be a very deep thing. I think that having a child in pain is one of the most painful things for a parent. But thank you. As I said in the workshop today, we're all in the middle of our story. And I once heard a young woman, um, Shivi Deren's daughter, I forget her first name. She, it was a video that was shown at the JLI retreat after her passing. And she said, I read something on the internet that has struck with me. And that line is, it'll be good in the end. And if it's not yet good, it's not yet the end powerful and she was no longer alive it was so poignant to hear someone saying that as if she's on the other side we're all in the middle of our story and having gratitude affords us some space between the suffering and where we are at the moment next aspect of this exercise I want you to write down a list on your piece of paper um, I wish I was just think about that. I wish I was, and put down at least three things, but if you can, more. Just write it. Don't think too much. I wish I was. I wish I was rich or richer. I wish I was popular or more popular, I, whatever it is. I wish I was thin. Write it down. And now read your list. Just read it through a couple of times. You can even mouth it to yourself as if you're praying with your mouth. I wish I was. And notice what's happening in your body with all those I wish I was's. Now write down, I'm glad I'm not. And fill that in, I'm glad I'm not. 
I'm glad I'm not in jail. I'm glad I'm not stupid. I'm glad I'm not homeless. I'm glad I'm not obese. And as you write this, see if you can write a couple of I'm glad I'm nots that are connected to the I wish I wases. Like I wish I was thinner, I'm glad I'm not obese. Right? Those two are connected. See if you can reframe that. And then just as you read that, read that list now, the I'm glad I'm not list to yourself. And notice how you feel, right, isn't it? Which the reframing of the I wish I was to I'm glad I'm not. Who else was able to put an I'm glad I'm not with a couple of their I wish I wases? Yeah, yeah. What, what was that exercise like? Does anyone want to read their list and share both lists? Yeah, great. So I'm going to just say that. I wish I was rich. I'm glad I'm not struggling with finances. Different. A whole different headspace. And it's which branch is your bird going to land on? Bird on the branch. You're fluttering around. You've got a choice. Are you going to land on the gratitude branch or are you going to land on the woe is me branch? Next, you want to tell, tell us another one, right? Or I'm glad, I'm glad the medication exists to help me, right? Yeah, I wish I was able to function without the blood pressure meds. I'm glad I'm not in bad health or I'm glad I have the medication to help me out in my pinch, right? Thank you. Anyone else want to share one last share on this? Yeah. Can you stand here and maybe face the room? I'll still repeat it, but... <laughs> I wish I were more observant. I'm glad... I'm not secular, right? I'm glad I'm not ignorant. Let's say that because I don't want to put like, you know, in, in non-Chabad circles, many people speak about Kiruv. You'll ne you don't hear Chabad Shluchim uh, speak like that at all because the Rebbe was very opposed to that. He said, you don't know who's close and who's far, right? A, a secular Jew could be much closer than me. One of my best friends, Olivia Schwartz, uh, and her husband, he's no longer alive, but um, uh, Schwartzy, famous, uh, their children have taken over much of this work, um, ran the Chai Center in L.A., and they have a T-shirt. It says, I'm an ultra-refer conservadox Jew. Isn't that great? It's like, yeah, there's no distinction. Um, so uh, I'm glad I'm not ignorant of Jewish law, right? I wish I were more observant. I'm glad I'm not ignorant entirely of what's going on. Very powerful exercise 
to reframe things. So being that we only have 10 minutes left uh, and you know not that much time, I'm going to just give you some questions that you can think of and then we'll end with one exercise. Yesterday when I did the Ten Commandments class, I read something from Aria Kaplan and I would like to actually read it exactly because um, I think that uh, I don't want to get it wrong. He says there's an old song. He's speaking about one of the most important elements of life is purpose. And then he says there is an old song that asks, why was I born? Why am I living? What do I get? What am I giving? And these four questions, or they three, I think are really useful. So I'm going to give them to you and think about them and see what kind of an impact that makes in your gratitude quotient. What have I received from? Just think about that. What have I received from God? What have I, I mean, I received my sight, my hearing, my life, my husband, my children, all of that. What have I received? What have I received from my husband? Yeah, a lot of sorrows, but a lot of joy, right? Just think about that in terms of the positive that I've received. What have I received from my kindergarten teachers? I, I could give you a whole list and start to go through that. The second question, what have I given to? And go through that. What have I given to my husband? Well, I know I gave him a whole lot of sorrows. What good things have I given to him? What have I given to my children, to my mother? What, what do I continue to give to her? What did I give my father? Should have a lichter And the third question is, what troubles and difficulty have I caused? And then fill in over there. That's a very humbling question. When you're asking what have I given to, it's what good have I given? What wonder have I created through these gifts? But then look at the other side, and it humbles us. What trouble have I caused? I happen to love Dr. Peterson's teachings, and one of the things that he says about marriage is, who else is going to live with you? You're a difficult person to live with. Just be grateful to your spouse for putting up with you. You know, we've got more than 30 years under our belt. Like, thank you for putting up with me. I'm so grateful that you didn't just say you're done. Can't handle it anymore. Thank you. That may not be your experience, but find those things where it is your experience. And then have a look at what troubles have I caused you? Whether you're still married or not, what troubles? Do, I, look at, I look at my parents. I thought, you know, at certain ages and stages, I thought they call, caused me trouble. And now I think, what, you know, what troubles have I caused you? Just allowing ourselves to be humbled. The other exercise that I'm... No, there were actually three. So I'll share with you what I am giving over today is from a book called Thanks. 
And it's not Nathaniel Brandon. He wrote The Six Principles of Self-Esteem. It just kind of like slipped out of my mind. You can look it up on Amazon. It's one of the best books I've ever read. Remarkable. And when you focus on gratitude, you start to shift. So I'm not going to... Let me just try and share. I, I have four minutes, so I'll share the exercises with you, and then maybe we can take one or two comments. So write a gratitude list. Write it down. What are you grateful for? And then open it up into detail. So I'm grateful for my education. Well, put that into detail. Like, I remember certain lessons. I remember my first library lesson. Do you remember we used to go to the library and we learned the Dewey system? What was it? The Dewey what's it? The Dewey Decimal System. Like, I'm so grateful to my library teacher. And I think about how she taught me about the spine of a book and how to open a book for the first time. She said, open it at the back and open it at the front and then a couple of pages from the back. And, and then you're not going to break that spine. And I think, wow, I'm so grateful for that. And classroom was warm. Thank you for that. And I remember learning about the locust. I mean, <laughs> but it's wonderful. I, you know, I see locusts and I know what's going on and where the joints are. And it looks like the knee, it's really the ankle. And I like it. I like, I learned, I had such a fabulous English teacher. Oh my gosh, Mr. Hayward, he was amazing. And I know Rashi. I understand Rashi. I, I can speak to my boys who know Gomorrah like, like this, but I could give them insights because I understand the grammar really well because of Mr. Hayward, right? That's called opening it up, playing it apart, go into detail, get your list down and then share that list with someone. The, the next, I'm not going to describe in detail, but he says, think of what you have as a gift. We speak about the Torah as mutton Torah, the gift of the Torah. Everything you have is a gift. And the difference between a gift and payment or a reward is that it's just for love. It came to me for free. Just think of the word gift. What do you associate with that? The gift of life. Wow. The gift of this retreat. I mean, wow. Right? Begin to think of what you have as not a result of your effort. Yes, we do say we worked in Egypt for 210 years. We were not compensated. It was like, what's it called with, with the Holocaust? Co compensation to the victims? Restitution? Reparations. Right, reparations. So it's like God says, you know, you work for 210 years. It's pretty tough. These are the reparations, you know. Uh, the, 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 the Egyptians gave you all their wealth. We emptied Egypt, but I'm, I'm also paying you with the Torah. But then at another level, the Torah is just a gift. What you have can be both a result of your hard effort and a result of God's love for you. And he's just giving you a gift because he thinks that you're amazing. He, he's crazy about you. The Rebbe tells us, think about yourself in this way. God loves you as an only child. And he writes in this letter, the truth is he loves you much more than as an only child, but we don't have words to express that love. 
So imagine no Adam, no Eve, no Moses, no Abraham, no Sarah, no Yitzchak, no Rivka, no, no one. No David and Bathsheba, no one. No Bobby and Zadie, no mom and dad, no brothers and sisters, no friends, no children. Only you and the entire universe was made as a gift from God to you. Like, what does that thought fill you with? Humility, gratitude, joy, opening up. So let's close, folks, with a breath of thanks. You're going to breathe in and breathe out. Thank you. Or just breathe out the word thanks. But I like to breathe in and then breathe out. Thank you. And breathe in thinking of everything you're grateful for. And breathe out thanks. Take a couple of breaths of thanks. Thank you, Hashem. I am lucky and grateful for breath. I am grateful for life. I am grateful for all the gifts you have given me and continue to give me in this moment. And thank you, everyone, for being here. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.